Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. In this episode, I have Chris Osborne as a guest. Chris is a serial entrepreneur who started off as a digital nomad around 15 years ago. He's been doing it for a very long time. He's probably been one of the first digital nomads. And we spoke in this episode about several topics, including his uh, latest venture of building 15 different newsletters and eventually selling them. So that's what he's currently working on. He's already been very successful with newsletter businesses. And we also shared our experience of working online, you know, our, for example, our daily routines. And also we got into some of the best places he recommends for being based for a few months, which I found very interesting. So all in all, I, I found a lot of um, similarities between what I've been doing for the past 10 years and what Chris has been doing. And he also has two young children. So we talked about homeschooling, given the situation right now with schools closed or about to be closed or open, but with restrictions, a lot of people are opting for homeschooling. And yeah, it's an interesting topic that I wanted to discuss with Chris to get his ideas also because he travels a lot. So it becomes a necessary thing to homeschool in some way. And yeah, I found it very interesting. I hope you like this episode as well. And please, if you do like this episode and all the content we've been putting out, please consider leaving a five star review on iTunes. So let's get on with the show and welcome Chris. Before we start, a short word from our sponsors. Now I have two sponsors for this episode, WP RSS Aggregator and Spotlight. Both of them are WordPress plugins and let me tell you how they work. So WP RSS Aggregator can be used to import information, blog posts and other content that is based on RSS from other websites and you can use it to create your own website based on this imported content. A good example of what you can create can be seen at eurofinanceblogs.com. Again, it's eurofinanceblogs.com. This is a website I built with this plugin and you can see how I managed to aggregate all the news items from various uh, finance blogs in Europe. So that's one of the use cases that I found very useful for WP RSS aggregator. Now the other plugin Spotlight can be used to import Instagram images into your website. Now this can be useful for your own personal website for example to make sure that when people visit your website they can also see the images you have on your social media in this case Instagram and it can also be good for those who are selling products. In fact with the pro version you are able to import hashtags which means that when people for example customers take photos with your product and hashtag use the hashtag you can then pick up all those photos and import them into your product website not only that but you have the option to curate those images so only the ones the photos from instagram that you want to show up in your website will do so so check those products out it's spotlightwp.com and wprssaggregator.com both of them have free versions on wordpress.org and they operate on a freemius model which means that some features the pro features are available as a pro premium paid version which are available on their respective websites Hi, Chris. Welcome to Mastermind.fm. Hi. Thank you for having me. And you're speaking to me from Turkey today, right? Yes, Istanbul. So just to, to launch off, as I was telling you earlier, what caught my attention when I you came across my radar, I, I forgot how somebody told me we should meet or something like that on Twitter. You were in Barcelona at that moment. Uh, unfortunately, we never met there, but... I kept following you, I think, along the last couple of years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, what, what impresses me about the, the Twitter feed, at least, and now I'll get to know you a bit deeper, but what caught my attention is the infectious energy that you put out about new projects. You're always launching new products and about your travel. Also, some delicious food that you post. I also 
I'm a big fan of, of food, mm-hmm. so that's also nice. And just to give you some background about me, I'm married and I have a, a young kid. So I think it's quite similar. I don't know okay, the, cool. the age of yours. Mine is around two years old. And we also have this uh, journey together with my wife of traveling a lot. And all our business has always been online 100%. So I think we've got quite a little, little bit in common there. Yeah. But anyway, I want to know and uh, to share with our audience who is Chris in your words. Cool. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, what you do? Said, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I travel a lot. You know, I've been pretty much been traveling full time for 15 years. Nine years ago, I met my wife. So we've been traveling together since then. And five years ago, we had a, our first boy. And one and a half years ago, we had our second. So now, nice. you know, there's four of us that travel around. When we go to the airport, it's no longer a backpack that we use to, you know, store our stuff. It's, you know, four or five suitcases and boxes and, you know, just, just mayhem. So, yeah, so travel's changed a lot since we first started doing it together, like me and my wife. But it's fun. With regards to work, yeah, so I started out with affiliate marketing. I did that for a long, long time. This was like 15 years ago. So, you know, I got heavily involved in the poker scene. So I don't know if you remember party poker and slides like that. So, yeah, I'm from Malta, so there's a lot okay, of Okay, right, yeah, that's where they were based. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they were offering insane commissions for a sign-up let alone yeah. uh, a deposit. So I did that for a long time. And I did that from mainly uh, small islands in Thailand. Um, so I learned very quickly that I could update my affiliate sites from anywhere in the world. And I fell in love so with So that means Thailand. you were probably one of the first digital nomads. Yeah, I could. The, the yeah. term even exists today, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I'm sure I wasn't the first, but I was in the first wave for sure. Um, It it was at that time that even Skype wasn't available yet. So, Mm -hmm. But because I didn't need to do any voice calls with anyone, I didn't really have any customers. I didn't speak to my customers. I was just able to communicate with these companies via email, update different landing pages and so on. So I was able to do that remotely very early on. Fast forward to today. I've got two projects that I'm really focused on right now. The first is Growth List. I've been updating this for five years. And every week, we go out and research what tech companies are getting funded right now. And then we compile a really in-depth report on each company, how much that they've raised, where the company is based. We hand-categorize each company so it's easy for our customers, our sales teams, uh, 80%. Right? VCs that want to keep up uh, with what trends are going on right now. And also journalists that want to discover interesting companies to feature on their podcast or on their blog and so on. So, yeah, so you'll be sending that out to you know, a nice size pool of clients that I've built up over the last five years. And then secondly, I've been pretty bullish on email newsletters. So I started one, it's about six, seven years, seven years ago now, called Founders Grid. That was all about entrepreneurships and startups and that kind of thing. I sold that to a VC firm. And it was around that time that I started, well, everybody online started getting interested with crypto. And so I started a crypto newsletter that I recently sold and I've started and sold a couple more along the way. And I just love this, you know, it's a pretty simple process of growing a newsletter to thousands of subscribers, providing value within that topic, right? Because you're forced to read a couple of hundred articles, then you recommend the 10 best ones that you've read out that week. That's how I formatted my newsletters. So, provided value, 
we got a lot of readers and there were a lot of sponsors that were willing to pay me to have their company featured within the newsletter. So yeah, the whole model is very simple. It's, you know, it's not, not rocket science, but it just takes a lot of legwork to get going, right? And right. N- not losing yeah. enthusiasm. So I was pretty good with that. I've done that four times now. And now I've started what's called the newsletter company where I plan to do a batch every quarter or so, like 15 newsletters that are built with the specific aim to sell them. And this is the first time that I've worked with some investors. So I tweeted it out about this idea of doing this and I was bombarded with messages from really cool people and I chose seven to work with, seven investors. I also participated, right? So that's eight total. And yeah, so that's a fun project that I'm working on. And then during lockdown a few months ago, I created a course on how to start and sell your own newsletter. It's called Profitable Newsletters. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. The feedback that I've got from that course has been pretty good. So I'm pretty proud of it. I, I spent way too much time on that course, putting that together because it was my first one. But I'm glad, you know, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. All right. So there's quite a bit to unpack here. Very interesting stuff. Um, like I said, yeah, our journeys are somewhat similar. You started much earlier, I think, than me. Well, but I probably started around, yeah, 10, 12 years ago with, with the whole digital nomad thing. And I also started with affiliates, specifically in the WordPress space. That was my niche. And and then I evolved into producing products and then got back into content and investing with my current blog. One thing that uh, you mentioned is the travel, the constant travel. You haven't stopped traveling. Whereas in my case, I guess since three, four years ago, we kind of settled in Barcelona. And when we had our first child two years ago, we stopped traveling. And especially this year, obviously, the travels were quite, uh, well, we didn't travel at all. <laughs> so I was wondering how, how do you approach this? How did you make the transition from traveling with your wife, which is pretty easy for in most cases, or traveling mm-hmm. alone, and then traveling with kids on a constant basis? I'm curious to see how did the logistics change from back when you traveled with your wife on? I got super lucky. So my income level rose at pretty much the perfect time. Uh, when I had my first boy, my income like doubled that year. So that made stuff like the logistics way more easier. You know, a long haul, I can now afford business class. Uh, so that makes it like super duper easy. We were allowed a lot more luggage <laughs> to <laughs> take on the planes. Uh, and we generally spend a lot of time in cities that we're really familiar with. So that helps with the logistics as well. So we spend a lot of time in Japan where things are like nice and easy, easy going. Hong Kong, Bangkok, Dubai, Istanbul, where I'm now, London and Barcelona. And we normally move around okay. those those cities, right? And they're all easygoing. They're all kid-friendly. Yeah. So so it's you know, less about exploration, I, maybe, and more about enjoying familiar places. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It was only last week that we went to somewhere new for the first time in a long, long time. That was uh, Kenya. Kenya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that was certainly a way more stressful experience because... One is uh, Kenya and was pretty overwhelming already. And yeah. two, you know, everything was new. Yeah, so I could see the difference. And then as soon as we landed in Istanbul, you know, I remember getting off the plane and taking a big sigh. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I, you know, I feel like we're home now because, we, you know, we know where the taxi counter is. I know where to get a SIM card. I know that the drivers, you know, like how they drive. I know the parts of town coming into the area of Istanbul where we like to stay. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a nice feeling to come back. 
yeah, I kind of know that feeling. That's funny because, yeah, I, I don't think of my own country anymore as that, as having that feeling. It's more the, these other places like Barcelona, where I'm really familiar and I've had experiences with my family now rather than where I'm from necessarily. Right. So that's interesting. And so for accommodation, do you use like Airbnb and do you use the same places every time? How does that work? Yeah. So I've got, you know, depending on the place will depend on whether I use a hotel or an Airbnb. Right. So Istanbul, I would generally use uh, an Airbnb because what you get for your dollar is pretty good. Right. I've got an eight bedroom place here and for 400 bucks a a week, yeah, which is insane. Um, and it's in the best part of town, near Taksim, Taksim Square, where I like to stay. And hotels here So, are, so that's, a, that's a place anyone could have found on Airbnb, right? No yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we hadn't decided where we were going to go after Kenya. So I booked it the day before we left Kenya. I just like, okay. you know, messaged a few owners to see if their place was available couple got back to me, I compared the two and then chose one. Right? It's super simple. And the hotels in Istanbul, the high-end ones are pretty expensive. You know, they were like this time. So it was kind of a no-brainer, right? We get loads more space. It's a lot cheaper. But other times, like Bangkok is a great example. In the, they have what's called serviced apartments. So they're hotels but you get a kitchen, you get your own washing machine, and they're really popular in Bangkok. Like, there's loads of good ones. There's no point in me booking an Airbnb, for example, in Bangkok, when I can have the added benefits of having a reception area, there's a, there's a swimming pool. Yeah, that's a nice thing about Thailand in general. I've, even when we lived in Chiang Mai, these were quite popular as well. So I love yeah. Thailand because of that, uh, among other things. Yeah, so, you know, I, 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 over the years I've learned which, you know, what route to go with, you know, choosing between service departments, hotels, and Airbnbs. If we're only going to stay a couple of nights, I would generally choose a hotel. Yeah. yeah. And do you have any specific durations of stays when you're splitting your year between these different locations? It's all different, yeah. Depends on friends. Well, this year is very different, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, but previously, yeah, it was about where friends were going to be. You know, that was a big deciding factor of where we'd go and how long we'd stay there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And how, how does your family deal with it? How, for example, with your kids, do you... Do you have like groups in every city where your kids can go and play with other kids they already know? Yes. Yeah. Not every city, but most of them. And we we were, you know, we are, sorry, ready to, you know, get our place and, and, you know, settle down. So just before this pandemic here, we had decided that we was going to take one last year for travel and homeschool for one year, and then set up base, and you know, my boy, my eldest boy, would go to school. So it was just a, it was just a crazy thing that this pandemic happened, and but it was all kind of already planned for it because you know we we'd made the decision that we was going to homeschool for one last year. Yeah, so just weird how that turned out. And how do you homeschool? Do you use? Like online resources or local libraries and stuff? Yeah. So the UK, there's a couple of paid platforms out there that I was going to use. But when the pandemic hit, the UK government introduced one. So they launched their own one. And the first term was pretty good considering that they you know, they had to launch it really quickly. Yeah. And the second term that they're on now... and. Anyone can use it, so I can give you the link. You know, it's not password protected or anything. And the content, the second term is amazing, really, really good. So it's separated into subjects like math, English, music is even on there, science. And yeah, so we spend a couple of hours every day doing that with my son. My wife takes care of some subjects and I take care of the others. 
and I was split it up. Yeah, yeah, it works well. It works well. So I made the decision early on that instead of sitting in front of the computer for six hours a day and then taking long breaks off, like traditional school, yeah. that we wouldn't take breaks off. Uh, I mean, if there's something fun to do that day, you know, yeah. an activity, then we won't you know, log on. But yeah, so fewer hours, but on a more consistent basis. That's how we've uh, approached it, and it's working well. And then when we're, like, every opportunity outside, we can play a game where, you know, it's incorporating some of the things that he's learned that week, then, mm-hmm. yeah, we, you know, we're pretty good at that, too. And before, I mean, your, your son is five, no, I guess, no, five years, yes. And before that, uh, did you use any materials, or was it just learning as you go along, just pointing out stuff and things like that? Right. Yeah, so... My boy went to uh, a preschool in okay. Bangkok. At that time, we had got a, a permanent place because uh, my uh, youngest uh, son was being born. Uh, so we stayed there for, I think it's like 15 months. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, while the pregnancy, you know, all of that was going on, we found a really good school around the corner. That we took him to and he loved it so yeah so, so that, that's why i'm not you know while i'm doing the homeschool thing for like a year i do believe that kids need that social interaction and that's you know that, like schools are a good thing you know i'm not homeschool homeschooling on the on the basis that right, i think right. schools are bad you know i I, yeah. i think they're generally good okay And it's interesting that you mentioned six countries, I think, or, or cities, more than countries. I would love if you could give me like a short two sentences about each country. Why Why do you choose oh, sure. those countries? What are you doing for education right now? So you said your son right now, two years old? My son is two years old. Yeah. Okay, so, so still so, fun stuff at home and shapes yeah and here and... i mean here as you might know people send their school their children off to preschool and these guarderias uh, very early sometimes mm. around three months old wow and really? my wife yeah jesus my wife uh, is russian and in their culture they don't do They don't do this so early. And me being Maltese, I don't know how it is back there now. But yeah, I think I probably went to preschool around four, four or five, you know. So we wanted to keep him with us also because she was in the position to stay at home with with him. And I also work from home. So we love being around around him and seeing him grow. Yeah, and yeah, so we yeah. basically set up like a Montessori, Montessori area at home. I don't know if you're familiar with yes, that I method of, of education. So we basically bought a, a bunch of things gradually, not all at once, obviously. And yeah, it's been really good. And he doesn't watch any TV or anything. Uh, we try to limit digital devices. So. So far, it's been working very well. And very recently, we've had a nanny come over just like twice, three times a week for two hours every time just to give us that little break mm. that we both need. But in general, yeah, it's mostly my wife being with him the majority of the day. And then if we go somewhere, like I'm there, obviously, I we go by car or by bicycle. Here, I maybe can take a break from work, spend an hour with him, do something in particular, and then go back to work. So cool. Again, part of it is out of necessity because of the COVID thing. But even now, I don't think I would go back to a co-working place unless, you know, the screaming gets, <laughs> <laughs> gets insane. But so far, he's been quite quiet. <laughs> Right, yeah. I, I uh, hear it get it gets worse though, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're over the uh over the hard bit really. It gets a bit easier. You know, when they can sit down with some colouring pens and draw yeah. for an hour just on their own, it's pretty cool. That comes at about age four. Yeah. Mm. Cool. 
Um, like you, I've never really got into co-working spaces. You know, like once or twice a week, I'll head to a coffee shop or a bar alone and you know, clear my inbox or do a, a specific task. Now, I like doing that. I actually enjoy being around my family. And, you know, I'm due to make a video on this, but, you know, like how I plan my day. So uh, I get up pretty early, six, and work, try to fit in like a good four-hour work session, you know, uh, before the start of the day. And kids get up during that time, but like my wife knows that, you know, this is uh, this is important time for me. And then homeschooling. So the plan every day is to do a four-hour work session plus homeschooling plus breakfast. Everyone's showered and ready before lunchtime. If we do that, that's a good day. It doesn't always uh, work out, but like that's the goal, you know. And then we go out in the afternoons. We go to a park. Yesterday we went to a bookshop. Spent an hour in there, you know, just to do something to break up the day and to, you know, life's short, right? We should be spending more time outside in the afternoon. So, you know, so that's yeah. the goal. Um, and it's and then we always have lunch out, dinner. I normally skip dinner these days. You know, make something for the kids, bedtime stories and that kind of thing. Then I will spend a, another couple of hours online in the evenings. And yeah, that's the routine that's like I spent five years working on. And yeah, that works best for me. What about your routine? What does it look like? So it's been pretty broken down, I think, uh, this year especially. Yeah, I, I, I like to work in the morning. That's for sure. That's when I'm focused and I have the energy to work. Afternoon is good because my son goes to sleep for his afternoon nap from maybe 1 to 3 or 12 to 3. So those hours are also good. And then in the afternoon, I usually go out to train, afternoon, early evening, and then come back, spend some time with the family, and my son goes to sleep, and then I have some more time. So in the evening, I, I don't like working, like doing stuff. It's more about education. So I do a lot of reading and, you know, courses or something like that. And that, that I leave for the evening. So, yeah, it's become a routine without even like planning it in advance. It's just how things are looking at the moment. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, yeah about uh, co-workings, co-workings. When I arrived in Barcelona for the first time around 2016, there may be one or two good ones. And then there's just in the last three years, there's just been an explosion of good co-working spaces. And they're very beautiful. I mean, I spent the summer last year working at one of them in particular. One co-work, maybe you know about it. And it's it's nice, you know. But again, with my son, it started to become unfeasible because I would go there and then I would have to come back to stay with my son. And yeah, it's, I didn't feel like we could do both well right. enough. It was either like leave my son with my wife and go to work in a traditional sense or I'll stay at home and do what you mentioned. You know, there are lots of cafes here as well. So just go out. Yeah. And I like the, the atmosphere of being around people, like working on an article or emails usually. And then I come back and do whatever. But I actually am more productive working in cafes because I oh, take my you? laptop and I don't have so many windows open on the laptop, so I just do that right. one thing I, I went for. <laughs> okay. I've only got a laptop, so yeah. But yeah, like more the creative and building side I like to do in the mornings and then what I class like admin, email and yeah. invoices and all of that crap. Yeah, I like to do that, that in the evenings. Cool. But you, you mentioned that you just got a laptop? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's it. Just a small what one too. Really work on a MacBook uh, twelve inch. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what I have. Mm. But um, what you do? You usually work with a, a big computer, or no, no, just this. Okay. Yeah, and um, this, the the MacBook. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay. the MacBook. 
I, I, you know, that's so. I'm in the process of looking for a permanent family home now. Yeah. So the first thing I'll buy, I'll buy will be an iMac. You know. I buy an iMac before I've even bought like an oven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of jealous when I see people online that get to work on one of those things. I've never used one, which is pretty mad. Uh, but yeah, I know I got one three years ago. I used to use a MacBook then. I mean, I've used the whole range, MacBook Air, MacBook, MacBook Pro. And yeah, the iMac is what I prefer spending most time on. Also, just having the desk, you know. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, desk. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so going back to the country. Okay, yeah, um, the country. Right? So, um, <laughs> maybe we can start with your chosen one then, since you yeah, chose uh, to well, settle in. Barcelona, we both knew Barcelona pretty well, right? Okay. Um, yeah, for me, it's just a, an amazing place. Hard to beat. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's hard to beat. You know, you got for the food. So in Barcelona, they have what's called a menu del dia, a lunchtime menu, typically three courses, a glass of wine, some bread. And they go from like 10 to 18 euros. So, and they're amazing. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I've got a list of 10 places that I always go back to. And it's just a really good feed. And that's that's where I started to learn to skip my dinners because it's you know, free course, yeah. lunch, after a work session, and then I could take it easy you know, for the rest of the afternoon. And Barcelona is a great place for walking. Uh, I can do 20,000 steps easily in Barcelona. You know, just walking around, uh, admiring the architecture. So, yeah, it's just food, people, weather, architecture and walking that's the reasons why yeah, I like perhaps for, for those who have not been to Barcelona what tying into what you're saying I, I like to bike a lot and it's the same concept I can bike around for hours and the, the nice thing about Barcelona is that it's divided into separate several barrios mm. and each one you cannot say that one is better than the other they're all different so right. you never feel like you're getting out of the center and then the city sort of fizzles out. It's always some new area which looks quite totally different sometimes yeah. from, the, from the previous one with a different subculture and different restaurants. So it's super interesting. Mm. That's why maybe a lot of people say that they like to walk around or cycle around and not get bored. Yeah. And it, it feels safe all around. Yes, it does. It does. And, you know, the sidewalks are great even for like buggies, like baby yeah. buggies. So and they're generally clean, smooth, well looked after. And, you know, it's a great, it is a great city for walking. There's a good cycling. Bicycle lanes are always on the okay, yep. increase. What's called the amount of scooters that I see everywhere? Yeah, there are scooters everywhere. Right, Perhaps nice. my criticism for Barcelona would be... It feels a bit noisy, especially in the Eixample area. Okay. And there's quite a bit of pollution just walking there. But, yeah, it's still decent. I mean, comparable to other big cities. Right. Yeah, the beach area, Barcelona, right, and Champla, they're the only two areas that I'm not so fussed about, you know. Yeah. Uh, Elbourne, I, I really like exploring around on foot. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Gracia is like awesome. Yeah. Like, I live just above Gracia, so oh, do you? Gracia okay. is where we go for walks with my son or, you know, just to eat. There are many restaurants there. And I, again, like what I was mentioning, it, it, it used to be a town that was different from Barcelona. So right. it got eaten up by Barcelona, but retained its distinct feeling of being a small it, town. Yes, it has got a unique feel. And another cool thing about Barcelona with kids is like the plazas, so the huge yeah. squares, and there's loads of them, you know, loads and loads of them. So you can just sit there, you know, order an espresso and just let the kids run around and, you know, ride their scooters, play football, jump on the climbing frame that's normally there. That's super cool. Yeah, and the weather is good all year round. <laughs> Taxes are not, maybe the bureaucracy and taxes are something right. to criticize. But again, I, I guess nothing worse than other 
Southern European countries like Italy or France mm. or Sweden? The only thing that sucks is uh, accommodation there is pretty expensive, right? It is very expensive. Um, yeah, especially, especially for, for nice buying. For buying. Right. The prices for buying are insane. And as if you want an apartment in the city, and rent, rent is, has also gone up quite a bit in the last mm. four years. Yeah. I was actually looking with my family to uh, go uh, outside Barcelona to other nearby towns, exploring. But we're still not convinced because if you move, then you lose all the benefits we've just been talking about. about being right, yeah. But there are some fantastic houses and um, in the nature, once you go out, places like even St. Cogat, just a few kilometers away, mm. the air you breathe there, you feel it, you know, when you arrive. It's like fresh air yeah. is different. And with kids, these places and these features become more important. You know? If you want to play with your kids outside, you like fresh air, clean, cleaner places, bigger places. Yeah. That's what's super important to me. We're, so we're we're, we're moving we're moving to Tuscany uh, for that exact okay. reason. Yeah, so loads of green, loads of you know clean air, um, country walks. Yeah, for that exact reason. Yeah. I think that's important for kids. Well, that's in Italy, right? Yes. So you're moving there? You said that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to sort that out now. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I thought you had chosen Barcelona. Yes, uh, too much red tape. You know, we tried to sort out my wife's visa and that just kept on going on and on. And it's just like they were asking for a few documents that we just can't get right now. So one of the documents that they wanted was our marriage certificate that's not older than three months, which is insane. Right, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure. So... For that, my wife would have to go home, quarantine for two weeks in state quarantine, go to the office, get the document, then fly back. It was just so unreasonable. So it's like, ah. so let's continue traveling. That was our plan. And now we've, uh, you know, from there we spent five, six weeks in Dubai. Then we went to Kenya. Now we're going to plan, plan to stay here for one month. But now I I am ready. I'm I'm ready to get a place. So, we, you know, we just made a short list, and we do love Italy. You know, we the food, the people. Just going back to all of the reasons yeah, why we love Barcelona, right? So they've got all you know they've got all of that great restaurants and, and so on. But you've got the added benefit that you're just surrounded by vineyards and fields and forest and greenery and good air. So do you so, plan to stay there for a number of years or yes, as a student? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So going back to the other countries, so Bangkok is where I've spent most of my time. Mm-hmm. And province is an hour, 55-minute flight away in the northeast that borders along with Laos is Ubon. So that's where my wife's from. And it's a really cool town. There's no attractions there per se, you know. Like you What's the name again? Because U B O N, Ubon Lajatani. and I remember seeing the trains go with that. Yes, yeah, 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 there's a train so Yeah, so there's no like fancy sites or anything, and so there's not many tourists that go there. But what it does have is a really vibrant community of young people there which make cities great, right? Yeah, so there's lots of young people that choose to stay there versus going into Bangkok for work, which means that there's loads of coffee shops. I mean, yeah, really good coffee shops. Good. There's great, there's great like, boutique hotels there, amazing restaurants. Okay. Yeah, so it's just one of my favorite places in the world to like, just, just to Is hang out. Is it still undiscovered? Because, like, yes, 100%. You can spend all day without seeing a tourist there, for sure. My wife's family's from there, so it's like super easy for us. You know, we arrive, we're given a car that we can use for you know while we're there. 
they got a nice house. So it's, it's just would you recommend it though? If like I go with my family, would it be one hundred percent? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's a real special place. Stay in the V Hotel. V, v as in Victor, and this is where I normally stay. It's about twelve bucks a night, something like that. Uh, but really nice rooms. So before we had kids, I you know was staying there quite a bit, and this hotel knew that I was doing work every morning in the room. So they went out and bought me an office chair. It's crazy. <laughs> so one day I walked yeah, in the room and it's like an office chair there. Oh, wow, that's super cool. And now every time that I book a room, when I check in, the office chair is, is there. It's already in the room. So it's super book cool. Your, the, the room with your name. No? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so really nice people. Yeah. And the flight is to Chiang Mai, the closest one? Or... No, no. Um, so Ubon has an airport. Ah, okay, nice. Yeah, and it's right in the middle of the city center. So it takes five minutes. You know, no, it would take like 10, 15 minutes from the airport to this hotel. So it would be flying to Bangkok from Europe and then yeah. Bangkok to Ubon. That's it. Cool. Uh, it's a really special place. Bangkok again. Do you spend time in Bangkok? When we used to travel, we used to spend most of the time in Chiang Mai. Okay. Uh, but Bangkok, yeah, visited for a week or two. So, right. Know that. Yeah. Bangkok yeah, feels like home to me. Again, lots of restaurants. You can get a bit humid for walking, which sucks, but I still mm-hmm. normally walk a lot there. There's some great coffee shops. And Bangkok like, can offer a really different experience, right, depending on where you stay. You know, so, I mean, I could stay in some areas of Bangkok where I just really wouldn't enjoy my time there, where there's other areas like Tongla area, Ekamai area, where it's got like more of a community feel there. And, you know, if you go to the same coffee shop for a couple of days in a row, they'll ask for your name, they'll remember your order. And so you can quickly like get integrated there, which is super cool. Yeah, I was looking forward to spending some time in Bangkok this year because the workers' community has these word camps, which are where... Okay. Uh, yeah, so they make a word camp USA and then there's word camp Europe. And for the first time, they were going to hold the word camp Asia and it was going to be held in Bangkok. But it was I think I've March, actually been so. to a word camp in Bangkok. That would be the word camp local, but this was word camp Asia. Then. Oh, okay. So it would okay. be speakers from all around Asia. So right. it would have been quite a good one. Hopefully next year we'll be able to make it. Cool. Yeah. It's a great place to do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree with your <laughs> choices. Then you mentioned <laughs> Japan. Uh, Japan, Japan is quite yeah, a so special place. Uh, there's yeah. a couple of spots in Japan that I love to spend time in. Tokyo, you know, yeah, everyone loves Tokyo. It's just, a, mm-hmm. just one of the world's best, right? So I, I, I won't go into that too much because, you know, it's been talked about a lot. But there's a. Do you find decent prices, though, for accommodation, or do you just have to pay? They are quite expensive, no? They're- yeah, I would say on the same level as Barcelona, like for the Airbnbs, okay. yeah. Um, but eating out, again, like Barcelona, is pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. don't have to spend a lot of money. You can get like a, you know, like a, a hamburg steak with some rice, some miso soup and a drink and everything. Yeah. And like, you know, 700 yen. Uh, so it's like super affordable. Southern Ireland has a city called Fukuoka. Probably uh, pronounced that wrong. But um, it's just got a really cool vibe about it. And uh, most Japanese think that the locals in Fukuoka are like super chilled out. And I can I can understand it. You know, when you walk around, it's a great city for walking. You're close to the ocean. Amazing food, amazing, really, really friendly people there. So that would be ideal for a base or just a uh, for, for family? Yeah, yeah. Spend a few weeks there on the on yes. the Yes, yeah. I spend a few weeks and many, many times. It's a great spot. Nice. Yeah, and then for the winter season, the north Sopalo is amazing, especially for kids. So we was there in December, early December. 
we stayed for a couple of weeks and there was so much to do with the kids, you know, from horseback riding, going up different towers, going to a chocolate factory, you know, and it was like every day we did something cool. And then there's also skiing and snowboarding about half an hour to two hours uh, train ride away. So, which is super cool. I'm taking notes because... <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, as you, as you did, you know, I think we're of the same philosophy that eventually my son and if we get other children, they'll go to school at age five, six. So in this, these few years, we'd like to do like this slow travel right. where we spend a few weeks or months in every place. And these are all places that I know quite briefly, most of the places you mentioned, but all places that I like. Right. So that's why I asked cool. you yeah. about that. <laughs> if you like walking, like spending time outside, then these places are great. Yeah. Uh, Dubai? Dubai is a strange one. It's great. For, you know, I wouldn't spend a lot of time there, although we just spent six weeks there. I was, I was, I had a few large projects on with work. I was there for that. And right now, luxury hotels there are very inexpensive. Mm. You know, a really good deal. And the standard is very high. The service in general. You can find the kind of service department there as well, no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, many of them have got like you know, four swimming pools and eight restaurants and just like these big complexes, right? Uh, it's a great, easy living, you know, with the kids, uh, with the family. The negative points are, you know, in the summer, right now is the summer, it gets, well, it, we're just transitioning out of summer, but it gets really hot. We're talking like 47, 49 degrees. So like too hot to walk outside, which sucks. So, yeah, that that's the biggest uh, pitfall for me. Along with eating out is very expensive. Like okay. crazy expensive. Yeah. I was talking to my wife about this. So the first night we arrived in Istanbul, we went out for a nice dinner. We got a bottle of wine, you know, we just... You know, ordering pretty much what we want. You come to uh, 50 pounds, so like $70. Yeah. In, we had the, a very similar kind of dinner in Dubai on our last or second last night there. We're just like, you know, you know let's celebrate and uh, a bottle Very of wine. <laughs> and that was $250. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a huge difference. Um, are the groceries very expensive too though if you want yes, to yes yes yeah. yeah because everything's imported right uh, right you know, you know, the city is built on a you know even shampoo is like double the price triple the price of what you're yeah. paying so similar to buying wine in thailand i guess yes yeah so the wine there is the same as thailand yeah it was the same price for the same brands so what is cool with Dubai that they just changed the process that before tourists weren't allowed to buy alcohol, only in the hotels and registered establishments, right? But now tourists can go to these liquor stores, if you want to call them that. They're like hidden away in these shopping malls. It's a pretty weird experience, right? And so there's no signage or anything. And you open your door and you're thinking, wow, am I in the right place? And they're like, welcome, welcome. And you go in and it's like, wow, stacks and stacks of alcohol in there. And then they get, you know, once you buy some alcohol, they double bag it in these like, in you know, these black, black bags so no one okay. can see what you've got in your bag. So it's all like hush-hush. But it's pretty cool that now you can go in there with a passport, register, and buy, you know, some bottles of wine. Yeah. Then Istanbul, because of the Turkish lira is, is tanked a yeah. lot, right? It is so cheap. It is <laughs> it's so cheap. Man. It's crazy. This morning we had three coffees, an orange juice, a Spanish omelette, two croissants, yeah, and that was eight bucks. You know, on like on a terrace uh, is uh, yeah. So it's very very inexpensive, right? Now. 
and a great place for walking too. Do you feel like uh, safe with kids? Yes, it's very safe. Here, yeah, no problem. Yeah, all all of the places that I mentioned feel very safe. You know, Kenya, mm -hmm. Nairobi. Maybe I was being a bit too paranoid, but it, it didn't feel safe to me. But maybe that was just because it was uh, so new. Maybe that would die down after a while. But even after a couple of weeks, I, I had my guard up pretty high. Yeah, you know. Most of the big cities in Europe, I feel pretty safe. I mean, you, yeah, need to, you know, you need to have your wits about you and, and you know, not display. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any watches for that reason because I travel so much yeah. and that kind of thing. And Asia, especially, I never felt felt threatened in Asia and the Middle East. You know, because the consequences for crime there are so severe that you you feel super safe there too. And this is like Nairobi was the first place that was like, wow, it's a bit different, you know. Um, yeah. Right. Have you covered all the all the best places? <laughs> um, I think Japan, Dubai, Bangkok, Barcelona. Saigon is another <clears throat> great place. Where? Uh, Saigon. Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, like the whole of Vietnam is is special, very special. And it's I kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I, I had a bad impression about Vietnam and my wife too. Perhaps it was too much of a contrast with yeah. Thailand. The driving was, I couldn't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The scooters on the pavements, it's like, like too crazy. It's pretty fun. I don't know who went to the wrong places, I don't but it doesn't make the right impression on us. Although mm. I've heard a lot of good things. It is, yeah, I will try it again. It is special. But I can understand if something goes wrong, then you can taint your view on that place, right? Yeah. I mean, if the food was great, people are people nice. People are really, really nice. And they're very smart. Like, you know, if you go to a coffee shop to do some work, for example, and you, And there's other people working on computers there and you get to talk to them, you'll see that their intelligence is like as a whole higher than their peers in the other yeah. countries of, around them. You know, you can you can yeah, see the difference. That's true. I, I think even in, in WordPress, for example, there are quite a number of companies based in Vietnam and they're not outsourcing companies. They're founded by Vietnamese. They do good work. Right. And they have the special coffee. You might know the name. Very sweet coffee. Yes. Uh, I, I, I forgot the local name, but I know what you mean. It's like an egg, was it? Milk was it with an egg? I think there was one with an egg inside. Or... Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know that one. <laughs> that might have been a special place. That... <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. Have you been to Portugal at all? Lisbon yes. and... Yeah. Lisbon, yeah, a couple of years ago. It was cool. It was cool. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of like, it's like a Barcelona's little brother, you know? I got that Yeah, vibe. I lost count of how many people told me the same thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's, and a lot more affordable too, right? And they've got... Well, uh, the, the, the accommodation is actually, I would say, as high as Barcelona or even higher nowadays for like the long term, six okay. months plus. So it's getting more and more popular. They are holding Web Summit every year. So that's brought in a lot of interest as well. So Web right. Summit is one of the biggest conferences in the tech scene. So and they've also got some interesting visa programs, right? Yeah, there's the visa programs. Very low tax for, for yeah. Europeans so or, or non-Europeans. I've got a lot of things going for for sure. Beautiful food, beautiful people. Again, a great city for walking. Yeah. Um, some really cool, cool restaurants and coffee shops there that I was really impressed with. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks for sharing. No worries, no worries. Yeah, yeah it's cool to talk about this stuff, you know? Yeah. And so to tie everything together, going back to your projects um, so you, had, you said you have so i find this newsletter thing very fascinating because 
I mean, we've done newsletters for our businesses over the years, but I've never felt like I can harness the power of newsletters. I know they work. The biggest obstacle I've always seen is building the audience, right? Mm. And so I was wondering how you go about building new projects from scratch based on newsletters without the audience, or is it that you carry on audiences from previous projects? Yeah, so yeah, so you can leverage your existing network, yeah. right, to get the first 100 or so subscribers or whatnot. Word of mouth should play a large role within that. There's some folks that are working on gamifying the subscribers. So if they share the newsletters, you know, on their network, they can gain points. And, you know, there's some interesting things going on there. There's paid acquisition. And then there's, you know, what I love to do is good old content marketing, you know. So one thing that fits really well within a newsletter that's in a specific topic is interviews with interesting people within that space, right? So like you're doing right now, you're going to interview me, you publish it, you know, I'm going to share share it with my network, I'll put it on my newsletter and it's read by thousands of people. And, you know, so interviews work really well. You're providing value, then you've got a distribution channel built in within that value. So I love like working on stuff where you get a few different yeah, bonuses out of it, right? Instead of one bonus. <laughs> and, and a lot of what you do is curation, right? Curation, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a good writer. Yeah. You could probably make more money you know, if you're good at covering a specific topic with your own content, whether that's video, uh, podcast, or text, right? Uh, you could charge, you know... Over the last few few years, you know, people are a lot more comfortable paying for content right, from unique voices. You know, Ben Ben Thompson from Structury, he's doing an amazing job. He writes an article once a day covering the tech scene, and he charges ten bucks a month to access that article. And he's got thousands yeah, and thousands of subscribers. I have subscribed, yeah. In the past few couple of years, I've seen like Substack as well. Uh, yeah, there's an, another platform. For... So, so I was wondering whether you use any platforms as well for the newsletters or if you want to launch something new. I don't you think that you can charge people a subscription fee for curated content. I've never seen your work. So if you go down the road of curating the best content, you want to rely on sponsorships, really, to generate revenue. Okay, interesting. Actually, I've been looking at the DeFi space in crypto, and most of the newsletters I'm subscribed to in the DeFi space, I think they have like one main piece of news, and then it's curation of what's happened during this week in DeFi, say. Yeah. So I would classify that as mostly curation as well. Yeah. And they do charge for, like, access to the archive. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the right way to go is produce, you know, dedicate 50% of the newsletter to unique content. Like, in my case, with the 15 that I'm building now, that will be in the form of interviews. Um, and then the other 50% is curated content, along with you could add like a, a job board in there as well, which, you know, could generate some additional revenue for you. So especially so you that, would, like, that format would work not only in the B2B space, like, yeah. you know, we're wearing, uh, but also on a local level too. So in my course, you know, that's one area that I think is so, you know, there's so much opportunity there if you could create a a newsletter for your local community where you uh, curate the best jobs restaurant openings promotions news you know lots lots more right uh, you know if you can do a good job with that and people share that you know you add one of these plugins that gamify the sharing component you know you can pretty confident that most people could grow that to thousands of readers very quickly 
And then you've got so many potential sponsors in your town that you could hit up. Accountants, spas, hotels, restaurants, coffee shops, you know, all of these local businesses that, that they should, you know, they would be more inclined to uh, sponsor the newsletter, right? Because it's such a good fit. Yeah. Would you say there's a minimum amount of readers, say, to start monetizing, something like that? So in my course, I recorded how I launched a newsletter. I come up with the idea. I purchased the domain. I created the landing page. I launched it. I grew it to 100 subscribers. And I got the first paying sponsor all within 24 hours. 24 hours from idea to paying sponsor. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think anyone can do that with any newsletter. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I'll just check out your course then. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so your, your course is who's the audience? Anyone who's working with newsletters? Yeah. So, yeah. And anyone that's interested in creating an email newsletter yeah. and uh, making profit from it. And what's the URL for that one? It is kintu.co slash profitable hyphen newsletters. Okay. Okay, so I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And yeah, you mentioned that you got investment for the latest project. Yeah. So that's a different kind of beast, I imagine, from what you just described. How does that work? Just to have an idea of what's possible for those working with newsletters. Yeah, so so the idea between the newsletter company is to work them in batches. So like you've got economies of scale, right? So if you're working with an illustrator to create some great artwork for the newsletter, you know, the idea is that you work with them across like the 15, you get a bit of a discount. And not only that, but it, it, it helps with organization of, you know, brainstorming, building and launching the newsletter, you know. So and these are um, 15 different topics or 15 on one vertical? 15 different ones. Topics. Yeah. Newsletters. Yeah, so we've got no code, e-commerce, remote working, okay. AI. Okay. And you're launching them from scratch. Yep. Building, design, launching them from scratch. Yeah. The first four. So how we're doing it is going to launch the first four in the first month, five in the second month, six in the third month. So it's like really fast paced. And yeah, so we've got now yeah. we've got a couple of hundred people that are on our list that are interested in buying them. And so, and so the idea is to launch them, grow them to a few thousand subscribers. It's basically a business in a box, right? And you know, everything's done for them. And yeah, so just an interesting experiment. And and you manage the whole team online, everyone's location independent, I guess. Correct, yeah. I work with some awesome writers, awesome designers, illustrators. Yeah. Have you had luck with certain countries in particular for people like like the, there's this tradition of coders from Ukraine or yeah, so Eastern Europe? The Eastern European bloc do produce great developers, right? <laughs> there's no arguing with that. Writers, I prefer native English writers, uh, UK, America. The two that I'm working with on this project are both from the States. Sure, you pay a lot more, uh, a, a lot, lot more. But, you know, for this to work, I didn't want to review stuff. You know, I just wanted to trust, pay a lot more and trust that it's going to be great, right? So, so it's a bit different on this. You know, if I was just getting going and I needed some help, then I would... You know, you're just getting going and you haven't got the resources, then you know that 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 route doesn't make sense. Right? You're better off working with an upcoming writer that's you know that's eat, that's keen, and then you can work with him or her on editing the content together and so on. Uh, but this, yeah, I just wanted to work with a world class team, so it you know, it went smoothly. Do you go into building a, a a team in your course as well, or is it something? No, I mean I didn't touch on that. No, yeah, 
And because of the first four newsletters that I've built and sold, I did them myself. Um, okay, got it. All right. So, yeah, it's been very interesting. You know, if there's anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, it's, a, it's a fun fun conversation. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good to finally connect. And thank you for sharing so 100%. many good insights. And, cool. Yeah. I hope that, that was useful to your uh, listeners. Yeah, for sure. All right. So thanks for being with us. And where can people find you on online? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Kintu Labs. That's K-I-N-T-U-L-A-B-S. All right. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, you. Cheers, Bob. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.